This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. BYU Sports Nation is live, your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, always presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Tuesday, July 7th, wherever and however you're connected, welcome. I am Spencer Linton, alongside professional hill runner in training, Jerem Jordan. Jamal Williams uh, posted a video of himself and, and Ronald Jones running up a hill in 105-degree weather in Arizona. I mean, <laughs> it's training, getting ready for the season. This is wild. I don't want to sit outside when it's 105 unless I'm right next to the pool. And here, Jamal Williams is running up a hill. I mean, the, the incline on this is high, to say the least. So, uh, Jamal Williams putting in that work. This is what J-Swag Daddy does, and this is not new. Some of you are saying, yeah, we've seen this before. He goes to Arizona, runs in the heat, and that's how he stays in crazy good shape in the offseason. Wow, man. Uh, that is an intense training campaign for sure. But how are you going to maintain all that swag if you're not willing to do that? I can think of a few other ways. <laughs> that's intense, man. That's awesome. <laughs> Today's show lineup we think is full of swag, including Brian Hamilton, a writer for The Athletic who said the following about BYU basketball, quote, no conversation about the most intriguing teams in college basketball for 2020-2021 is complete without BYU. Why is he saying that, and what's the ceiling for BYU basketball in year two under head coach Mark Pope? We'll ask him. Plus, the best alternative to a normal college football season, what are you cool settling with? And our top five Tuesday, spreading hope for a major comeback in the year 2020. Here are your Tuesday BYU Sports Nation headlines. BYU releases its 2019-20 Athletics Annual Report. I didn't know this was a thing until the other day. In it, Athletic Director Tom Homel says, I prefer not to look at this year and what it could have been. Rather, I prefer to remember this unusual year as one in which most of our teams were competing with the best of the best programs in the country. Among the highlights were winning the Men's Cross Country National Championship, BYU's 11th team title, men's volleyball finishing in first, and men's hoops return to the top 15. It's hard not to think BYU would have won multiple national championships because of what men's volleyball was doing. Yeah, could have been men's volleyball. That was kind of the only other one in the And that's, that's notable because Tom Holmo, until this season, had not uh, won, not personally, but his athletic department had not won a national championship until cross country did it. Most ADs don't. Man! Could have been two in the same year. NCAA Senior Vice President of Basketball Dan Gabbett has proposed that conferences should start the men's basketball season two weeks early beginning on October 27th instead of November 10th. Why, you ask? Because according to Gabbett, this would increase scheduling flexibility in the event of winter interruption from COVID-19. In his plan... Teams would be able to front load their schedules with high profile games that would otherwise be canceled during a winter break or a potential winter break. I'm interested in that. That's that's interesting to me because that's an actual potential solution to an issue as opposed to just asking questions like, well, okay, what what if we do this? Let's explore this. Because we planned for a two week break. A lot of teams will uh, you know, or colleges are saying after Thanksgiving, don't show up. Right? Just do it from home. So how does that affect basketball? 14 BYU gymnasts are on the MRGC All-Academic team. They each finished with a 3.2 or higher. The team combined for a 3-6-3. 
all rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. Hey, throw some more coal on that fire. The BYU basketball tourney train is cooking. To quote Brian Hamilton of The Athletic once again on Mark Pope and BYU basketball. Quote, a charismatic coach with a hyper-entertaining offense, significant roster turnover, a gargantuan fleet of big men, and a couple of small veteran guards, some of the most impactful and high-profile additions of the offseason, from a seven-foot-three transfer to a coveted in-state high school prospect, it's undeniably interesting. It could go all kinds of ways, and it could define the trajectory of a program for years to come. End quote. Jerem. What is your ceiling about this intriguing BYU basketball team, and what is the floor for the Cougars? Floor, they don't make the tourney. They go to the NIT, and then the ceiling is win multiple games in the tourney, right? Uh, win two-plus. The standard here is to, to get to the tourney. I hope that that becomes win in the tourney, but going to the tourney is hard to do uh, for teams like BYU. It's hard to get that. There's only a handful that aren't in a Power 6 league that – don't win the league that get in, right? BYU is going to have to get in at large most years. That's been the case since, oh, I don't know, 01, right? That's how it works. Even the great Jimmer Fredette and those teams had to get an at large bid. So I, I think getting to the tourney, and then if this team were able to win multiple games, oh my goodness, that'd be incredible because BYU's only had a couple of teams that have done that in the NCAA tournament. You talk about two wins in the NCAA tournament, what is it? 81 and 11? Those are the only two, right? In the NCAA tournament. In the NIT, BYU's won multiple games in 51 and 66 winning those tournaments. But it's very rare to get to the NCAA tournament and win two games. Well, it's not short the 2020 mock projected bracket that BYU uh, All I heard went was to the mock. national championship game in and lost to Wisconsin, according to ESPN. That was very exciting for that 10-minute that <laughs> spurt in March. The ceiling, to me, is as high as Mark Pope and this team can dream. I learned my lesson last season. So the national title? I kind of put a cap on it. So I'm not going to say, like, oh, you know what? Mark Pope says we take our minds to places that that fans and BYU uh, supporters are scared to go. So whatever. Now they're scared. They used to not be. Fine. Let let them dream. Let them dream big. Hey, when the Lone Peak 3 here, we said the words Final Four. You know what I mean? Got burned. We're not doing that. Let at, the coaches not, and the players yeah, do that. Yeah. Win multiple games, and I'm happy. I don't need a Final Four. Win multiple games, and I think everybody would be ecstatic, oh, right? Yeah, sure. As you pointed out, it's only sure. happened twice in history. I will give you my expectation. That is that BYU will make the NCAA tournament and be somewhere between a 7 and a 10 seed. I, I expect BYU to do that. Win a game, that would be great. But the expectation for me right now is making the tournament for the first time technically in what will be six years when it comes to the spring of 2021. As for the floor, man, I hate to even think about it. Third place or worse finish in the West Coast Conference, not making the NCAA tournament. There's way too much talent and excitement around the program and potential to settle for anything outside of getting to the tournament. Oh, yeah. No, it's turning a bus. We, we can't be having Brian Hamilton on from The Athletic and having Dickie V talking about Matt Harms and getting Caleb Lohner and, and all these guys and not think that the tourney is a thing. Because if you don't make the tourney in basketball, you're not a relevant program. And I would argue even if you make the tourney, you could still be somewhat irrelevant. But that's the benchmark is you got to be in the top 68, right? And for BYU, it's essentially you got to be in the top 44, top 40. And it's going to be interesting to see this um, th- this morning. Um, you know, articles coming out. If there's 
some sort of shortened non-conference schedule and you're only playing conference perhaps or something in men's hoops, how does that affect the net and how are they going to adjust that, right? There's questions in hoops. I said it last week. Everyone's focused on football. I'm also thinking about basketball right now going, okay, okay, how's that going to work? Well, especially if the, in schedule, the winter. if the schedule is going to be accelerated and it's going to start on October 27th. Yeah, if you well, that's not a major issue. It's like if you bump it up two weeks, whatever. But are you playing the same teams you would have played? Are you playing fewer games? Is everyone playing the same amount? Mm. We don't know the answers quite yet. Topic two, undoubtedly we're hoping football happens. Currently we don't know, really know how that would work. But let's ask this. What's the best option for BYU football if it comes to a non-traditional football season, which undoubtedly it will be in some form? So I'm thinking that at least one game for each of the 130 Division I teams uh, in FBS is going to be canceled because of COVID something. Like yeah. a team's not going to want to. State government will come into play and say we're shutting things down. Like So I'm thinking at least one game is going to just – Hit the garbage, okay? I hope it's not a big game for well, BYU, but... a cycle, but yeah. At least 11 games. So I, I, I want at least 11 games. Uh, if that includes a bowl game, great. How's the bowl game going to happen, by the way? I don't know. It's not. I don't believe a bowl game's going to happen. I barely believe a season's going to happen. Maybe you play bowl games in the spring. I don't know. What are they willing to do? What, what, what are college football programs, athletic departments, state governments willing to do? Are they willing to play postseason games in the spring. A lot of people aren't willing to wear a mask. So how in the heck are we going to play football? Well, money talks really loudly. Money talks so do really positive, loudly. So do positive tests. I'm not saying you, they you know, don't. You know what I mean? Like, we're, I don't, we're only discussing having a college football season because of money. I don't. Well, we're only discussing it because it hasn't been canceled. I don't believe that the further we get along with this, the less I believe that we're even going to play, you know, six games or whatever. I, I just feel like it's going to get real weird real fast. Think about how weird it got in March, right? Boom, everything done. Now we know a little more, right? But we haven't done all that much to really quell this like we did for a while. But now we've had pandemic fatigue and we just want to get out there societally, right? The, I, I'm just wondering how this is going to work. What like, is how are you risk? actually going to play the game? And what's the risk? What is the, the risk? The risk is death. That's the risk. For who? For people you pass it to. That's the risk. The risk isn't really, really for college players dying. What's the risk for It's for athletes. them passing it to people. Okay, what's the risk for yeah. athletes? Can we be smart enough to have athletes that could potentially have it stay away from the high-risk population? No, I we don't believe that. Like, Can't be smart enough to do that. No, I don't believe so. Like the ideas of the bubble with the NBA, it's like, you know who's showing up in the rooms of the players? The, the amazing workers who are going to change the beds and clean the room. They go home and they interact with other people. But and they do they do things. so willingly? And are they leaving the bubble? I don't know that those people are leaving the bubble. No, no, no. Yes, those people leave the bubble. The bubble is not a bubble. The only people in the bubble are the players. The, the workers around them who feed them and help clean, they go home. They don't stay in it. You don't think they're smart enough to know that they could potentially be around it but stay away from the high-risk population? You cannot trust an entire population to be 100% secure in anything. There's no way. I, I want sports like the rest of us. I just don't believe that this is actually going to happen. And, and in the winter, do we, we all kind of feel like, hey, you know when you get the flu? In the winter the most. So it, it's going to be hard. And if we had started playing maybe a little earlier, or maybe we need to push the spring. I know the Ivy League is – yesterday I said the Ivy League is doing this. That's not the case. Tomorrow they are voting on whether they're going to push the spring. 
I just don't know how this is going to happen. To to actually socially distance and be responsible is to not play sports at all. But uh, Sean Doolittle of the uh, Nationals said something really awesome. He said, sports are a reward for a high-functioning society who has done, you know, I'm paraphrasing, its part in this to prevent it. And I don't think we've done that as a society to uh, have that. We're going to try and do it, and we should, but I, I just don't see how it's going to actually happen, man. Well, so I'll be shocked if we play like six games. Okay. I'll be shocked I, if we play. And I am in the camp. Games. I am in the camp yeah. because I'm watching what the NBA and Major League Baseball and the NFL are all trying to do that they're going to play through it with risk. They're going to play through it because. Well, we'll see if we they hope, actually get to finish. We it. hope. We don't know that. Quite that we yet. are smart yeah. enough to keep people safe and still do this. Hope doesn't do it. Action does. I agree. Yeah. But <laughs> hope is the driving force, right? That's why we're all like hoping that football happens. Sure. Give me That's the rivalry games. Enough. Give yeah. me the rivalry games and 11 games spread out through the spring. I don't care. I just want 11 games. Oh, if we're doing it in the spring, that changes the combo. Yeah. So if give me 11 can... games and the rivalry games. Yeah. Get a vaccine and then we can do stuff. That's where I'm at. Give me the rivalry games starting with this. A countdown to the youths. 58 days, 58 days from a scheduled start to BYU and Utah and their respective college football seasons. Hopefully it happens. And, oh, by the way, we've not talked about this idea. This is the perfect year to play Utah in football because there'd only be like 20, 10 or 20,000 fans in the stands, if that. Road game, neutralized. If anybody, there may, there if, may be no fans. There might be no fans. Hey, let's go. And that's a way that it seems more likely that college football could happen. If we Don't could put fans in the stands. To me, it's not about fans in the stands. It's about the people on the field interacting. You know, it has nothing to do with fans. All right, our question of the day. What is the best option for BYU football if it comes to a non-traditional football season? Schedule, timing, all those things factoring. Let's go to Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. Brian Bussin on Twitter. I'd be happy if all the games are played as such with no fans in attendance. It would be weird, but at least we would have games. Yeah, I, I don't believe that playing has anything to do with fans. I think the playing has everything to do with the players interacting. How are they going to, you know, play normally? Yet Why are professional do leagues that? doing this then? NASCAR, Major League Baseball, the NBA. It's the same thing. So are you not okay with that? No, I'm okay with it. I just don't know how that's going to work when there are positive tests and it spreads within a team. Well, they're doing it right now. No, no, no. I guess we're just they're, finding out. In the U.S., no one is actually playing right now. They're about to. And then we'll find the issues that come along with that. No one's actually doing well, it The right Women's now. Soccer League is going, and yeah. Major League Soccer is going. I like, mean, so there are things yeah, that are happening. You're right. You're right, those. I hope that it works out. Football is very different. It's very different. Okay. Okay, coming up, the best to wear 45. There have been some good ones. And the Athletics, Brian Hamilton on the ceiling for BYU basketball. Is there a ceiling? This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Join us in 13 days, July 20th for BYU Football Media Day. We'll hopefully figure out how this is going to work and uh, get you ready for that. 11 a.m. Eastern Time, State of the Program, two-hour BYUSN after that. An afternoon special on the history of BYU's offensive innovation and web chats and more. We are live on July 7th in Studio B, and this is your day-to-day BYU sports play-by-play. I'm Spencer Linton, teamed up with Jerem Jordan. Our first guest of the day is 
writer for The Athletic, college basketball insider Brian Hamilton, who joins us on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Brian, welcome to BYU Sports Nation. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you guys? Uh, we're fantastic, especially after having read your article about Mark Pope as he approaches year two of his tenure uh, head coach at BYU. What did you learn about Coach Pope that you didn't know about him before you wrote the article? Uh, fantastic interview. Uh, <laughs> and I have not spent a lot of time talking to Mark uh, throughout the years, but you know, there, there's definitely a, a charisma there, um, and I think as much as your X's and O's chops determines how a program moves forward, kind of can't fake it when you're out there in the stadium, in the arena during games, you you need a personality plus guy to, to create a vibe around the program. Um, I think players respond to those kind of coaches. So if you have that, that charisma about you, that, that that draws people in and you can add a touch of self-deprecation in there too, um, I sense that he's probably got a really nice touch in that locker room with his ability to relate to guys. Yeah, and last year he constantly was talking about, we have the best locker room in America. It's a hashtag they use. They love that. And I, th- I think he's the perfect coach for 2020. I just think he gets it, right? He's, he's basically a coaching form of TikTok right now. I, I think that's what he is. Um, <laughs> it's, based- it's tough because you've got to be able to be demanding. But and as any coach will tell you, I'm not making this up. They have to know you love them in order to be demanding of them. Yeah. So you start with building that relationship, and then you can get a lot out of guys. We used to tolerate the, the Bobby Knights back in the day. It's like, no, 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 it's the Mark Popes today, right? Yeah, it's different. Yeah. It's different. Yes. Based on your research, and you were extremely thorough in your, in your article. Listen, when we learn a ton from this, we go, wow, impressive. This was amazing. Do you feel like BYU has the makings of a tourney team right now? Yeah, I mean, it's just a matter of – the pieces coming together. I mean, we don't know what the actual schedule is going to look like, but they certainly have enough chances to prove themselves to get into at-large contention if they don't win the league uh, or secure the automatic bid. Um, They have pieces, a lot of pieces that are really, really interesting and can create a lot of matchup difficulties for other teams. They're going to have to kind of be a special preparation for other teams. I don't, I don't know that you're going to be able to go into a game with BYU and say, we're just going to run our stuff. You're going to have to think about doing things differently with all the matchups that Mark Pope can go to. But, you know, the devil's in the details. I mean, you've got to figure out how all these pieces fit. And that's certainly not a guarantee, you know, in July. Um, it's not even a guarantee in, in November when you start a regular season, assuming everything starts on time. The way guys mesh, the way guys play together, the way guys flow together, that's not a guarantee almost ever. Even when you have a lot of guys back, you you never know. Now you really don't know with BYU because there's so many parts that are new and or in new roles. The potential is there, but they've got to figure out how it all comes together. Brian Hamilton, senior writer at The Athletic, is with us on BYU Sports Nation previewing BYU basketball. Let's talk about some of those new pieces and old pieces and new roles, beginning with the backcourt. And I can't tell you how happy we are, Brian, that ABBA, the ABBA backcourt, made it into your article because we started that in Studio B. We started that here. For better or worse. There you go. 
Okay, Alex Marcello. My, my wife will tell you I am not a big fan. I'm the <laughs> Mamma Mia. I was not a huge fan of Mamma Mia at all, but I had to get it in there. You can't hey, resist. <laughs> anytime you get the money, money, money in there, uh, let, let's go, right. man. Let's go. The Abba yeah. backcourt with Alex Barcelo and Brandon Averett. Um, we're intrigued by this because Alex Barcelo was kind of uh, the third or fourth scorer on this team, highly right. efficient. And then in comes Brandon Aver to transfer. So what gives you the impression that the ABBA backcourt could work well for Mark Pope? Well, there's a couple of things working for it, I think, and, and a couple of concerns I'd have about putting them out there together. You know, Barcelo, I think, talked a lot to me about still setting up for other guys, still being the guy that makes other guys better. He's probably got to be a little more selfish in a good way, looking for hunting for his shot, looking for a shot. He's got to take on a little bit more of the offensive responsibility. Um, Averett, to me, again, grad transfers can kind of go either way when they come up a level. I know Pope knows him well, but there's still going to be an adjustment when you grad transfer up. It can kind of be a roll of the dice with those guys. Now, in saying that, if you run those two guys out there and they're as good defensively as Mark Pope thinks they are, then you can dictate to the other team. I think you have to do that if you're going to play them together because you run into problems defensively being caught in switches um, to undersized guards is not really the ideal, I think, for being a top-notch defense in modern college basketball. But if you can impose your will on the other team and take them out of a little bit by going 94 feet, by pressing a little run and jump, then I think you can put those two guys together, but you kind of have to do that. And either way, when they're out there on the floor, I think you have to accept the fact that you're going to need some rim protection because if you get caught in bad switches or have bad matchups, fortunately, BYU has an abundance of size and potential <laughs> rim protectors. Um, so I think the, the, the minuses are it gets a little tricky in terms of defensive matchups and switching if you want to do that kind of stuff. Pluses are, you know, as long as Brandon Averett adjusts fairly well to a new level, you know, having two veteran guards back there is a pretty good recipe for having a strong team. Mark Pope said a lot of interesting things in the article. One of them was this about Richard Harwood, the uh, Utah Valley transfer. If you watch these Marvel movies, he's like the Incredible Hulk. He just wants to run into walls. He loves it. He just loves to go hit people. He's an intriguing piece coming off a red shirt, and we're, we're excited to watch Richard Harwood. What's your impression of him based on your conversation with Mark? Yeah, I think you're obviously not looking at a guy who's going to come in and be sort of a you know, Yoli Childs dominant force in the post, at least from an offensive end necessarily. But I think his rebounding numbers per 40 minutes are off the charts. I mean, this guy's going to be able to hit the glass. Pope talked about him being a really a great vertical defender, meaning that he's long, obviously, 6'10", 6'11". He's huge. He's going to play at like 270, 275. Mm-hmm. But he's got enough lift off the ground and he stays straight up, that there's that rim protection you're talking about. I think he's got to be sort of your anchor back there. Fix the rebounding issues that were an issue last year. He'll take care of that. Protect the rim. He's definitely going to dissuade drivers coming into the lane. They're going to have to think twice about running into him. Um, And then finish, you know, roll to the rim, finish in close proximity. When you get into the restricted lane, make sure you're making 70% of your makes from there. I don't think he needs to be your lead guy offensively, but if he does all those other things, then he kind of ties everything together. We're talking with Brian Hamilton, writer for The Athletic. Brian, uh, which of the BYU players is the most intriguing or most surprising based on your conversations with Coach Pope? 
I'm interested to see how Gavin Baxter comes back uh, at full health. I mean, Pope says he's 100% now uh, after the injury that cost him most of last year before he dropped the red shirt late. Uh, he's, they want to get him up, I guess, another six or seven pounds based on what Pope told me. But if he's as explosive as an athlete as Pope says he is or can be, and you're talking about a guy who's 6'9", 228, 229, that's just a different dimension for your team because that does allow you a lot of freedom to switch defensively. A lot allows you a lot of lineup flexibility. Whether, you know, can he get back up to speed over a weird summer where they're kind of coaching him and kind of not, and he's just in there on his own a lot. Um, it'll be interesting to see because I mean, Pope called him like a, a low level Giannis type. If he mm. hits his ceiling, I mean, that's a pretty nice piece to have out there on the floor. But again, coming back from injury, you never know. Brian, great to talk with you. Uh, before you go, how can people get more of your content and read more of your articles? Sure. It's over at theathletic.com backslash college basketball. Uh, any story right now, free 30-day trial for anybody who want to sign up so you can read about BYU and kind of tootle around on the site, see what else is there, and get all the info you need, theathletic.com backslash college basketball. Fantastic. We highly recommend it. And uh, now it's time for you to go jam out to ABBA. So uh, we'll let you go right. do that. <laughs> Thanks, Brian. Tune it up. Thanks, guys. Brian Hamilton, senior writer for The Athletic on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. Listen, I love learning stuff. And, you know, there, there are times where sometimes I'll read a national article and I'll go, well, we knew that, right? But this one is really in-depth and it's really interesting. Mark Pope volunteers different information about different guys that we hadn't heard about, and it's really intriguing. So on, on Gavin Baxter, yeah, he made this low-level Giannis if he hits the ceiling. But he did, he did say, clearly it just takes us down about 20 notches <laughs> before he even said that. And it's super interesting to, to, the, to the ABBA backcourt and the size BYU has. BYU can pressure the perimeter really high, like what UNLV used to do to BYU in the late 2000s, where it was like, well, they're not going to call fouls every time down the court. To where you can get guys to funnel them into the lane, and then BYU has some tremendous size in there. Where BYU defensively, I think, is going to become way better rebounding. Obviously, they're going to be way better. The number that uh, was mentioned there with Richard Harward, his per forty rebounding numbers fourteen point seven. Like he is an amazing rebounder. I'm very excited to see. Obviously, this group gel, and we've talked about that ad nauseum. But um, I just wish football had this level of excitement. We we need to feel this way about football again. And that can change quickly. Like if BYU has like a nine-win season, I think we feel very different, and I'm hoping for that. Uh, unfortunately, BYU was in position to have a nine-win season one year ago, right? And we would feel differently right now. Tis the tale of BYU football. Uh, would have. I, I know. Well, I, know. I just hope we're playing nine games. I love that he uh, spent some time with Connor Harding in that number, that three position, the, the off guard, the wing position. Is it Trevin Nell? And then – at the end of his Connor Harding explanation, he said that Harding could potentially develop into a ball handler at some point. Well, that's Pope saying that. That's yeah, down the road, which, which means very after this year, maybe Connor Harding is a six foot six point guard. How about that? We go back to the Kyle Collinsworth uh, situation. Like a lo- yeah, like a taller, longer point guard. Yeah, matchup problem, right? Yeah, I like it. Okay, coming up, buy, sell, or hold BYU team edition. And the best to ever wear number forty five. This is a very, very juicy conversation. This is BYU Sports Nation. A lot of interest in this one. Get to know the players, coaches, and some compelling fan stories. Search Deep Blue on the BYU TV app today. 
Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. He is Jerem. I am Spencer. And this is The Whip. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around. Athletics News. BYU released a 2019-20 Athletics Annual Report. In it, the Athletic Director Tom Hummel says, I prefer not to look at this year and what it could have been. Rather, I prefer to remember this unusual year as one in which most of our teams were competing with the best of the best programs in the country. Among the highlights were winning the Men's Cross Country National Championship, BYU's 11th team title, the Women's Cross Country team taking second, and Men's Volleyball finishing the season uh, first. Women's Soccer Elite Eight as well. What a year. Men's basketball. NCAA Senior Vice President of Basketball, Dan Gavitt, has proposed that conferences should start the college basketball season two weeks early, beginning on October 27th, instead of November 10th. According to Gavitt, this would increase scheduling flexibility in the event of winter interruption from COVID-19. Also in his plan, teams would be able to front load their schedules with high-profile games that would otherwise be canceled during the winter break. Gymnastics. 14 BYU gymnasts are on the MRGC All-Academic team. They each finished with a 3-2 or higher. The team combined for a 3-6-3 GPA. Bring on the best to wear it. We're counting up to 99. One number each show and determining the best athlete to wear each number at Brigham Young University. Today we land on a very loaded number 45. Harvey Yunga is the best to wear number 45. He was the all-time leading rusher for seven seasons. Uh, he played from 07 to 09, redshirted 06. Actually scored a touchdown his redshirt year in the lightning-delayed Tulsa game, but he was amazing. Uh, 3,455 rushing yards. Mm. That's second in BYU history. Five yards of carry, 36 rushing touchdowns. That's second. He also had a, over 100 catches, over 1,000 yards receiving as well. More on that in a moment. First BYU freshman to ever rush for 1,000 in 07. He, uh, in 2007, set the Mountain West Conference single-season all-purpose record because he had 655 yards. 655. Receiving? Uh, yes. He would have been second on BYU's team. Whoa. Second and third in catches and yards in 2019 as a running back. Uh, there have been 15,000-yard rushers uh, in BYU history. Harvey owns 20% of those, which brings us to our set of them. Mm. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. Harvey Yunga is the only BYU player ever with three seasons of 1,000 yards rushing. No one did it twice. And Harvey would have done it four, four times. times. But uh, he bounced from school in the spring of 2010. Jeremy, if Harvey Unga plays in every game in 2009 and plays a full season in 2010... He's flirting with 5,000 5, rushing yards. And then it's probably not topped maybe ever. Ever. He was incredible. He's now the running backs coach at BYU. We all love Harvey. Local guy, Provo High, Tim Field. He was awesome, man. He was awesome. Jamal Williams is beloved for many reasons and is the all-time leading rusher. He played almost four full seasons. He sat out five or six games due to injury. But Harvey did what he did in three seasons. Can you imagine if BYU had a 5,000-yard career rusher? Harvey was on track to maybe get there. Yeah, and, and Luke Staley was a similar thing as well with yes. three seasons. I think that if Luke had stayed, maybe he has a chance. If Taysom Hill is fully healthy, by the way, I believe that he could have been the all-time leading rusher as well. Okay. At number 45, you may also be thinking, what about that seven foot six guy that played at Emory High School? If someone says that and they don't know his name, I don't believe that exists. Sean Bradley. 
Only played one season at BYU. The only one and done ever? But it was incredible. Yes, Cam was a true freshman. Was outstanding when he left on his two-year mission to Australia. Had all of the national pundits thinking when he gets back, BYU is a serious Final Four contender. We've heard that one before. In his one season, averaged almost 15 points per game. Shot 58% from the field. Averaged, averaged 5.2 blocks per game. Dude, he was like a 15-8-5 guy. (laughs) That's unbelievable. That's what we're all hoping Matt Harms will be, right? (laughs) 15-8-5? I'm hoping for like 10-5-2. He had so many block shots in his one season that he's still second in BYU history with 177. Why is the 7-6 guy cherry picking? I, I I got an issue with that, man. If I'm playing, I'm like... Why are you wait, – wait, what happened on that play? Yeah, 10 blocks in an NCAA tournament game. That was a record at the time. Shaq broke it against BYU the Ugh. next year. Played in the NBA for 12 years. Now, he is known as the guy that gets dunked on, like, in the NBA. But he played for a long time, made a lot of good money. He's doing some great work out of the uh, youth ranch kind of near where uh, I used to live in West Jordan. Um, he led the NBA in blocks per game one year, total blocks one year. First player in NBA history to have 10-plus blocks in back-to-back games. <laughs> And, and he played for the German national team, super random. And then uh, he appeared in Space Jam, perhaps his greatest that is, accomplishment. Is that Sean Bradley's greatest moment, is greatest play, accomplishment? He's in Space Jam. I wish that Jimmer would have been cast in the new Space Jam with LeBron. Will Sean Bradley make the sequel? I want Jimmer in the the next one, yeah. That's what I, I wanted him to be like. Jimmer for dead. Just like the white shooter in the corner. <laughs> like, I wanted Jimmer to be like that pickup player. You know what I mean? Sean Bradley. Yeah, yeah. He got dunked on by some incredible dunkers. But you know why that was a thing? Because he was 7'6", and because he was one of the best shot blockers in the game. He'd go after it. And I can, exactly. appre- I can appreciate the hustle. Yeah, and, and Sean Bradley going early, he was the OG Eric Mika. You remember all the angst with the, I left early. What? Well, Sean... Well, Sean's the second pick, which he's the second second pick in BYU history. Mel Hutchins in 51 is the other. He'd probably be the greatest to ever wear number 45 if he had stayed at least two seasons at BYU. Well, if they go to a Final Four or something, I think we're talking about Sean Bradley right there. Yeah. Yeah. And we were talking about Harvey with only three seasons. How about that? That's crazy. Okay, coming up, a flashback to a simpler time in Tennessee with Kairos Tonga on a swing. <laughs> Plus, we play buy, sell, or hold just with BYU teams. Buying, selling, or holding on the major programs. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. On the latest BYU Sports Nation right now, Jimmer's hashtag Trick Shot Tuesday post show he's ready to play wherever that may be. And Kiki joins BYU Athletics in making Mask on Monday a trend. I should probably read uh, hashtag Mask on every day. Yep. But- Watch it on the BYU Sports Nation social media account. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. We're live in Studio B. Let's play Buy, Sell, or Hold, a BYU Athletics annual report edition presented by Bodyguards. Protection for a life worth living. Learn more at Bodyguards.com. Jerem, number one, buy, sell, or hold BYU Athletics as a whole right now. Sell. It's really high. I'm going to make money. Because right now, BYU, uh, you know, basketball was in the top 15. Cross country, one and two. Volleyball, I'm going to make some money if I sell. That's why I'm selling. I'm approaching it from the financial standpoint, not on an evaluation of the program moving forward. Am I going to make money or should I wait and make more money is how I'm attacking this. So I sell because stock is high. Things are really good at BYU. The only thing that's not that great 
is football. So as soon as football, if if football were to go up to like a 10-win season every four or whatever, and I felt like that was going to happen soon, I would probably hold. But I, because of the schedules and because of, you know, some things needs, BYU needs to fix uh, with the program, I am selling right now because I'm making money. Do so you think there will be a dip in terms of the on-the-field or on-the-surface performance? I think it's going to be hard to have a year like BYU had this year quickly. This was a banner year. Think about it. It was awesome. Hey, I'm buying. I'm taking this from uh, the Apple and Amazon approach where it was, I looked at it a year ago and I thought, man, that stock's really high. <laughs> it just continues to grow. I want to make some more money. So I'm I'm in that BYU football will be better if and when there is a season. And there's risk there too, right? I'm buying, hoping that football will happen, that BYU will win more than seven games. And I'm I'm clearly in on BYU basketball. Like they're going to go back to the tournament. They technically didn't get to the tournament last year, so when they get to the tournament, that stock yeah. goes up a little bit. I'm looking at all the other teams too. Men's That's volleyball, my primary value, can win a national championship. I think women's soccer and women's volleyball are going to be really good again. So I'm, I'm buying right now. I, I'm almost want to say I'm holding because I'm not sure how many games are going to happen this fall and spring. But I'm going to take a risk. I'm going to buy right now. Okay, buy, sell, or hold. BYU football. I uh, just told you, I, I am buying BYU football. I think that they will win more than seven games. Uh, they have too much experience. Quarterback is ex- especially, they have three capable quarterbacks. They're older. We're talking about as many as 19 or 20 upperclassmen that could start for BYU. I'm buying. They're going to win more than the seven games they've won in each of the last two seasons. Yeah, and it's not that upperclassmen will start because that's typically the case. It's that they've been playing already. Yes. Right? Because typically juniors and seniors, seniors are the ones. They have experience. Um, I am holding because until something changes internally to where I feel like BYU is going to be a nine-plus win program or even eight consistently, I'm going to hold because obviously I think the schedule is too hard. We don't even know how many games they're going to play this year, but you has got some issues to fix. They gotta, like you pointed out, they gotta be way better against the group of five. So I'm, I'm a hold. All right, number three, buy, sell, or hold BYU basketball. Oh, I'm, uh, I- I'm buying this because I think this is perhaps the beginning of a nice little run of, of uh, tournaments, and we've, we've seen that Mark Pope can recruit. Mark Pope is one of the best, if not the best, recruiters on campus. I think Heather Olmstead's amazing as well. Men's volleyball does a really nice job. Cross country is amazing. Um, yeah, I, I really like, like, who doesn't like what's going on with uh, what's happening with BYU Hoops? Um, I'm trying to think of somebody that doesn't like it. Uh, Utah uh, U- fans? U- Utah. Utah fans? Utah and Utah State. They don't like it. <laughs> yes, I am buying. BYU basketball will get to the tournament officially yes. in 2021. And one of these years, BYU will win the tournament in Vegas. It's going to happen. Win a West Coast Conference championship they're, they're, of some sort. St. Mary's has done it. It's not impossible. Winning the regular season is nearly impossible. I'm buying BYU That's basketball. That's a 16-game uh, tournament. I'm buying primarily because I'm buying the coaching staff. Yeah. All in on the staff. 100%, man. And we're lucky that this staff was retained. That doesn't always happen. When you are really good, coaches bounce. And did COVID-19 play into that? Yeah. I don't think there's been as much movement. Kind of job security, having the salary and benefits helps, right? Buy, sell, or hold BYU Volleyball, both men and women's program. I'm running out of money. Um, I, seriously, I, I, I feel like, you know, I should at some point be like, oh, I'll hold, I'll, I'll kind of be conservative here. But BYU Volleyball has been so good, especially the men. I'm crushed that they didn't get to finish their season because they were pacing to win a national championship. They were the clear number one team in the country. Buying BYU Men's Volleyball. And I am buying Women's Volleyball because their stock was down a little bit last year. They didn't get to the Sweet 16 
I think that they will get back to the Sweet 16 or better the upcoming season. So I'm buying volleyball, men's and women's. Yeah, I'm buying because the men are going to win the national championship and the women are going to go to the Sweet 16 next year. The, the, like, the women's program has been better than the men, and the men's been really good, right? The men, it's hard to compare to because the women compete with, like, 300 teams. The men compete with, like, 30 teams. But this, I've joked, and I'm somewhat serious, uh, this is a volleyball school. Volleyball, like, volleyball the, school. Like, BYU is so good. It's it's in everything. It's it's an athletic department school, but if you're really asking me, it's a football school. Okay. But you get my point. Yes. Um, Tom, Tom Homo, after BYU beat Wisconsin, did walk by you and say, tell Jerem this is a football school. <laughs> In 2018. That was funny. And after Tennessee and USC. Yeah. yeah. Those moments are great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. When it's good, it's good, Those right? moments are great. Yeah, absolutely. Number five, buy, sell, or hold BYU track and field and cross country. The defending national champs in cross country. I am selling because I think it's going to be hard to win a natty in men's and go second in women's again. I'm not saying they can't do it. It's not my place to say what someone can or can't do. It's just an assessment of what you think the team will do. They can do whatever they want and think whatever they want and use bulletin board and whatever. Anyway, we back the programs. What's the hardest I, thing to do? It's going to sell. Win back-to-back national championships. Yeah, and, and hey, BYU could do it, but I, I'm going to sell because, I mean, if it's buy, sell, or hold, what's the point of this? It's not to not offend someone. It's to make money, baby! <laughs> so I'm selling. Yeah, they've uh, they literally reached the peak. That's they the won top. the national championship. Speaking of the it's men's amazing. cross country team, so I'm gonna I'm gonna sell this not because they're not capable, but because odds are that it's gonna be tough to win a second consecutive national championship. Well, and think the women took the second. Women it's not second. like they were twelfth. And I hope that they listen to this and use it as motivation. Hey, they're selling stock. Whatever. You know what? It's it's hard to do that. If the women win the national championship, shame on us. We will happily lose the money there. Shame on you. Shame on your cow. <laughs> All those things. Okay, last but not least, buy, sell, or hold the BYU Spirit Squad. I'm always buying this, Jerem. Amen, dude. I'm always buy- buying. every time. I'm always buying uh, Cosmo, uh, the dunk team, the Cougarettes. The cheerleaders? They are really, really, really good. They are high-level performers all year, and I think that they are underappreciated for. We so, appreciate them. They're incredible. Who wants to show in highlights of the Spirit Squad? Their stock price is low, Jerem, according to the national experts, so it's cheap, and they exceed. They exceed always. I'm bye-bye-bye on this. Yeah, bye-bye-bye. Nice. I like that. Can you do a dance to that? Yes, I do. Coming up, Jason Shepard in a swing. <laughs> That's the tease. And an offensive lineman. Or, sorry, a defensive lineman. Don't ruin it. Plus, Top 5 Tuesday, Comeback Edition. All of you are going to feel hope for a major comeback in 2020 after this. With BYU Sports Nation. I was in the opposing student section for one of these. This segment of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Bodyguards. Protection for a life worth living. BYU. Wide receiver screen near side. Complete to Simon. Simon to the 10, to the 5. Does he get it? He dives for the pylon. Where's the signal? No, it comes late. He scored. He scored. There comes the touchdown signal. Micah Simon for six. This segment of BYU Sports Nation. Presented by Delta Airlines. Keep climbing. 
BYU Sports Nation continues with your daily reminder. The show available anytime on demand via the BYU TV and BYU radio apps. You can Google the podcast, BYU Sports Nation podcast, and uh, download, subscribe, rate, and review. Our Top 5 Tuesday Comeback Edition presented by Delta Airlines. Keep climbing. 2020 has clearly presented all of us with a rough first half of the year. COVID-19, sports shutdown, murder hornets, earthquakes for those living in Utah. Murder hornets went away, though. There is always hope for a comeback now that we enter the second half of the year. With that in mind, we present the top five comebacks in BYU football history. Number five, 2002 at Utah State. BYU's down 34-7 at halftime. I'm in the Utah State student section because I'm with my friends who go to Utah State, but we are rooting for the Brigham Young, of course. Uh, I'm bummed, but as halftime, as they come out at halftime, BYU has four unanswered touchdowns, two from Curtis Brown, rushed for 217 in that game. That was his breakout. It was amazing. Game winner from Gabe Reed, the number one high school quarterback in the country is BYU's backup, Ben Olsen. He stays on the sideline. And your boy, is that Matt Barry? Is that who that was? Is that Matt Barry? Matt Barry for the win as BYU comes back. It's the greatest comeback in BYU history, down 34-7. to Was it Matt Barry? I'm looking was it Lance up. Pendleton? It was not. I don't think it was Lance. It was a right-hander. Okay. Lance was left. <laughs> Number four. Throwing it back to 1991 on the road against San Diego State. BYU trailing 35-17 at halftime, then down 45-17 midway through the third. This game is over, baby. Nope. Ty Detmer happened. Four Detmer touchdowns to four different players later. The Cougars found themselves down 52-45 with 30 seconds left. And a Jamal Willis score tied the game with under a minute to play. BYU rallies from down 28 on the road to give Ty Detmer and the Cougars a share of the WAC championship. Another trip to the Holiday Bowl. Detmer finished with 599 yards passing. Six touchdowns. Incredible comeback by BYU. The greatest tie in BYU history? Question mark? Yes. Awesome, right? It was Brett Ingeman, by the way. Brett Ingeman. Brett Ingeman. Number three, 1997 Cotton Bowl versus Kansas State. BYU's ranked fifth, down 15-5. to five. Yep, there was a safety, Shane Muirbrick, entering the fourth quarter. After an interception, Steve Sarkeesian to James Dye Watch the for the first touchdown. Boom. Yeah. And then uh, BYU gets an interception later, causes a turnover, and then Sark to K.O.K.L.A.L.U.H.I. in the end zone, caps off the Texas A&M game, and then at the end of the year, Kansas State, Ed Keel says... Hey, they're going to throw a slant. Omar Morgan picks it off, and BYU caps what many consider the second greatest season in BYU history. Happy New Year's Day, 1997. That was so fun, man. That was great season. All right, at number two, 1984. I wore the T-shirt yesterday. The game that would prove to give BYU the national championship. Holiday Bowl against Michigan. BYU trailing by seven, entering the fourth quarter. National title on the line, people. A loss would end the perfect season and more disappointment. But Robbie Bosco, injured, led the Cougars to 14 unanswered points, including a game-winning touchdown pass to Kelly Smith with a minute 23 left on the clock. The Cougars would seal the deal with a Marv Allen pick, and that's all she wrote. What a win. Now, my parents went to the game. They left me at my aunt and uncle's house. I I was 14 months old. I wish they would have taken me. I'd be like, yeah, I I was there. I I was there. I went to that game. I, uh, you know, had my bottle and uh, baby food. I went to that game. And the greatest comeback in BYU history, 1980 Holiday Bowl, BYU against SMU, a.k.a. 
the Miracle Bowl. As BYU is down 45-25 with about four minutes to go, the Cougars begin three unanswered scores with a touchdown to Matt Braga, an onside kick recovery. Amazing that that happens, right? A Scott Phillips TD run late in the game. Look how wide he gets. Mm. A two-point conversion. A blocked punt by Bill Shefflin. And the play you know, a 41-yard Hail Mary from Jim McMahon to Clay Brown to cap a 12-1 season in the Cougars' first bowl win ever. Down to the goal line. It's caught for the touchdown! Like, Cosmos jumping in there. It's just unbelievable, man. Unbelievable. He scored 21 points in four minutes. That by itself is a mild miracle, let alone to be down by that and the perfect storm. Fourth down conversion. Score a touchdown two plays later. Block punt. Onside, onside kick. kick. Like all Hail these, Mary. All these things. Just <laughs> perfect. And it started with Jim McMahon saying, we're going to bleeping give up. And BYU calls a timeout because they're going to punt. He's like, no, let's go after Slams this. Slams his helmet down. BYU was going to wave the white flag. But they didn't. And now it's one of the most memorable things that ever happened. The first bowl win in BYU football history. They were four up at that point. Question of the day. What is the best option for BYU football in 2020 if it comes to a non-traditional football season with schedule, timing, all of those factors? At Jerem Jordan 2. This is not me, and I don't know Tyler Stinson. Is that his name? <laughs> but we know each other on Twitter. I, this is not me, I promise. At Jerem Jordan 2 says, just 12 home and home games with Utah. <laughs> BYU is bound to win at least one of them. I call it Operation End the Streak. Listen, the streak's going down if that's the case. (laughs) Clyde Livingston on Twitter. Perhaps virtual gets actually. uh, Let's go to the elite voice of the day presented by Sundance Mountain Resort. Alan Smith on Twitter. Get added to the Ivy League in the spring as the Harvard of the West. Uh Go undefeated against the likes of Penn, Brown, and Cornell. Heard of it. We'd also finally be able to settle the issue of who gets to wear the Y in the future, BYU or Yale. Let's not compare endowments. No, let's not do that. <laughs> uh. <laughs> okay, today's rise and shout out. Kairos Tonga, it's his birthday. Happy birthday. We're not going to do that for everybody. But the reason we wanted to bring it up specifically is because about a year ago, we were at uh, uh, Charlie Daniels Park in Tennessee. And here's Jason Shepard interviewing Kairos Tonga on a, on a swing. <laughs> And that's just a thing we wanted to show you. So happy birthday to Kyrus. Oh, my goodness. How old's Kyrus? 24? Uh, something After like that. Yeah. Dinner. Yeah. He's, yeah, 20, 24. That's exciting. Sprightly 24. Our thanks to today's guest, Brian Hamilton of The Athletic. Sorry to Dustin Pitta. Ran out of time, bro. Conversation continues 24-7. Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. For Jerem Jordan, I am Spencer Linton. Shout out to Jim Herman. We'll see you tomorrow on BYU Sports Nation. Go Cougs.